Welcome, Seekers of Truth, coming to you from the edge of the known universe, better known as the Granite State, home of Betty and Barney Hill. Through the magic of electronic alchemy, a portal to another dimension has opened. You are about to make a metaphysical connection. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. Walt Schnabel and I, Eric Render King Fisk, continue our conversation on social engineering through television. All coming up next on episode 88 of the Metaphysical Connection. Stay tuned. How come the how come in some households, when you go to visit people in their homes, the television is always on. No matter what's going on in the house, the television is always on. Why is that? Well, I think it's because it's sort of the, it's, it's kind of an electronic opiate, I guess you could say. Um, so it's people, people are sort of getting their, getting their fix from TV. Um, some statistics I ran across, again, from the, from the Waking Times website, which um, I would recommend people checking out. Um, 99, well, this is a good reason, 99% of the households of, in the United States own at least one TV. 90, that's pretty, 99%. That's pretty 99%, right? Own at um, least one. Own at least one, some obviously yeah. more. Um, I'm not sure if that's a per capita statistic or, you know, if that's all the all the households divided by all the TV, you know what I mean? I'm not sure that that, how that, yeah. but, but anyway, it comes out to 99%. Yeah. Um, the television for the most part is on seven hours a day. Um, 66% of the people eat, eat in front of the TV. Yeah. Um, I'm shocked <clears throat> it's not higher, but go ahead. It's, yeah, actually I, I might be too. Um, 30, 30% of the kids watching TV are from zero to one years old. 40%, 47% are from five to eight years old. And um, most U.S. children spend three point, this is, this is a, kind of a statistic on the other side, three, 3.5 minutes in meaningful conversation with their parents. Yeah. Um, but 16, 1,680 minutes per week watching the TV. So that's that's quite a disparity when you think about it. Three point yeah. five minutes engaged in conversation, and sixteen hundred and eighty minutes a week watching TV. So by the time they're sixty-five, um, you've watched two thousand. Oh wait, I got this blocked out here. I don't I don't have the statistic for that. But you've watched it in a considerable amount of TV by the time you're sixty-five. Yeah. You know now. Um, so there's some reason for that. It's it's not just it's not just happenstance, um, and and a lot of it has to do with advertising. Yeah. Um, you know they're making they're making a lot of money off of of the TV. They're putting ads for things, for the most part, um, and depending on what channel you watch, they're putting ads for things on that you probably don't need. Um, I mean, need need. Right. You know you might. Um, want a new car, but you don't necessarily need a new car. Um, <clears throat> you know, those kinds of things. And that's, that's what they're vying for. They're vying for your, for your consumer dollar. And, but, it, but, it's, but it's really even more insidious than that. What they're really doing is vying for your psyche, for the control of your psyche, which is even more dangerous, I think. Um, so what do you think, Eric? 
Oh, I'm sorry. You were saying I'm, I was too busy watching the news. What did you say? <laughs> no, I because I, I, everything that you say is absolutely totally true, and it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's it's terrifying that we have. I call. I used to call the cable the the open video sewage into our household. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And and sewage line. It's an open visual sewage line into your house. Mm-hmm. Whereas the thing is, is that you have other people's thoughts and ideas that are coming in, and you, you can't respond back to it at all. Whether or not it's Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow, those people dictate to you what your opinions are going to be according to your political persuasion Mm -hmm. this is the download for today these are the marching orders these are the the papers and you will hear people the next day on both sides of the aisle parrot back what they heard the night before from either one of those two characters people do not because the, the ability to think openly has been eradicated through through the educational system i i believe anyway I, I, so yeah. since you can't form your own opinion um, or, or it's too painful to form your own opinion yeah. or you haven't been taught to form your own opinion, whether it's crazy or not crazy, um, it's your opinion. But if you can't do that, then you have to look to somebody else, some talking head, whether it's, you know, whether somebody that's on the, the right side of the spectrum or the left side of the spectrum. When I say spectrum, I'm not talking yeah. about politically. Um, whatever you gravitate toward, that the message is really still the same. It's not the particulars of it. It's it's what's encoded into the message. W- whether you're attracted to CNN or Fox or whatever it is you're attracted to, you're still really getting the same messages that you are not a thinking human being. You are being told what to think. Yeah. At least that's my opinion. What, what do you think about that? I think there's the entire notion of there's something awful happening in the country right now because the news is being sensationalized. The news is being sensationalized and weaponized, editorialized, and it's been turned into infotainment. Yes. I thought that one of, a good, good term. One, a good of, term. one of the most horrible things that I have witnessed on television in the past 40 years is entertainment tonight. Ooh. Whereas, and you have John Tesh and Mary Hart saying, hey, here's all the entertainment news. And they tell you about what's going on in the world of Hollywood and entertainment and um, what movies are being released. And you have Leonard Maltin who's giving you your movie reviews. And it was like he's. And he's telling you what you should think about this specific movie, whether this movie is good or not, you know, and uh, what to well, watch. There you go. Same, same thing. What same to exactly. watch, what to listen to. Here's what's going on. And, and um, oh, we are so happy to announce that um, this celebrity has just given birth to a brand new baby boy. Isn't this special? Here's the first pictures. And it was just like... <clears throat> CBS Nightly News started to go that route for a while. I stopped watching it. I don't know. And it's like, if you watched CBS Evening News with Katie Couric, it became more, it mean, it became more poppy. You have Katie Couric, who's always happy and is always, except for, except for when Katie Couric is really serious. 
Katie Couric is very grumpy today. Something awful happened in the news today, Eric, and we need to listen to Katie Couric and, and, and get your emotional download. This is how you're supposed to think about a certain specific topic in the news. So the, the voice you were using just previously to that was was almost getting to the point of sounding childlike, right? Purposefully. Is that, is that what you were intending? Purposefully. It to be? What's that? No, I was doing it purposefully. I know. I know that. But it's funny because the intention or the goal of brainwashing is to make each succeeding generation more infantile and more animal-like. So as a result, you're easier to control. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the whole yeah. intention of it. Absolutely. And and it's funny that you, that you use that voice because that's exactly what <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. You're becoming more more infantile in your. Um, I mean, when you're an infant, you you you're almost totally dependent on the adults in your environment to to provide the things that you need, right? Because you can't do it for yourself. Well, that's exactly what's happening psychologically. You're you're being turned into a uh, psychological infant um, to to become dependent on on whatever it is that you choose to spend your time with on the TV. And I think it's all kind of geared toward this. You know, it's all kind of going down into the same chute. You know, I I think that uh, the worst aspect of all of this is that the more because. I'm a victim of three semesters of psychiatry, sociology, all the psych classes because I wanted to be a, a, a therapist. I wanted I wanted to help people with their emotional problems through mm. talking it out in chemicals, drugs, whatever. And you study you study things. You see see how people think and how people react to stimuli because really that's really all we are. We are just rea- actions and reactions. To stimuli and right. and you listen to how the news broadcasters these days nowadays they talk down to people like we're kindergartners they talk Absolutely. and political Absolutely. candidates you look at some political candidates on both sides of the aisle whereas they try and talk to you the way that your mother would scold you when you were a, a preteen or an elementary school student when you you know when you're still in your when you're still in childhood and your teens you're the way that your mother would talk down to you when you she was disappointed because they really do believe that that's the level that most people are functioning they on. really they, think they that, really do believe that I mean, they really do. And, what and that have, may be true. That what, may be true. What know. have we done to prove otherwise? What have we done to prove that we aren't that stupid? We keep we keep voting for the we keep voting for the same class of people. Same we approach. Are, we <laughs> same are, mindset. We are. What is a politician? A politician is a former lawyer with delusions of grandeur. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's pretty close to the truth. That's exactly um, but, what but, they are. But you know, they have the advantage now of going on TV and reaching untold amounts of people, whereas back when, you know, like Abe Lincoln was running for president, he had to go from place to place to place and give speeches and talk to people and actually actually confront people. And, you know, if they didn't like what he said, they probably threw stuff at him. I don't know. But, yeah. but now it's just all sanitized. You know, they you have these people that come on the TV as politicians and they say what they say and you know you either like it or you don't you know but you, it's all geared toward the same thing this and, I, and i'm going to probably keep repeating this over and over yeah. again it's all geared toward um people not really making choices for themselves you know being no 
making clear-cut decisions that they've thought through without getting input from somebody that's kind of telling them what to do. Yeah. And that's really what it's down to. Walt and Um, I. The chapter chapter, um, in Daniel Eshelin's book on on Tavistock, um, getting back to, the, and I guess this is going to be our final episode on Tavistock. I think we've kind of covered it pretty while, well. But, for um, a while. He, he talks about how the actual, the actual physiology of, of TV, um, how when you um, switch the TV on, you, you automatically, your brain automatically does a shift. It goes, the, the right hemisphere of the brain becomes almost automatically twice as active yeah. as the left hemisphere. And that, that's, that's been tested. That's a scientific reality. Um, but what that does is it allows the brain to secrete um, a natural set of opiates. Um, they're called endorphins. Um, and they include beta endorphins and Ankephalins. Endorphins are, are structured identically to opium and its derivatives. Yeah. Morphine, codeine, heroin, etc. So basically what you're doing is you're you're opening up or you're getting a you know, you're getting a fix, say, of a, of an electronic drug, which is very similar in, in its psychoactiveness to you know, to opiates. Um so there you go. So so you're being set up for you know for that. So it's it's automatically making you feel good, just as you know a drug would do. Yeah. Um, but it also kicks out the higher regions of the brain. It shuts down the higher thinking regions of the brain. Um, and it has something to do with the, the, I guess it's the light or the signal coming out of the TV screen. Yeah. And what it does is it causes you to go down into the lower regions of your brain, which are the reptilian leftover from the reptilian um, part of our history, our metaphysical or our physical history. Um and and what that is the fight that that kicks in a kind of a fight or flight type of thing. Right. But but the real thing is that it's not you don't have the ability to interpret reality from non-reality. That that part of the brain does not have the ability to do that. What that brain really does is is senses if you know if somebody's coming at you with a knife um, that looks like they're going to stab you. Right. Um, your brain that part of your brain kicks in and that's the fight or flight. So you don't at that point consciously say well. Gee, you know, is that a real guy that's coming to stab me, or is that just guy, some guy that's just kind of dressed up like Jason that's, you know, just right. playing around? Your brain doesn't have at that that part of your brain does not have the ability to to make that decision. So what you're really doing is you're operating out of that level of thinking when you're when you actually are watching TV. I think the actual name of that part of your brain is the amygdala. I might be wrong, but I know that it, um, it, it does. It might be. I don't know enough about the brain to actually classify that, but and you could be right. There's a there's a great guy. I don't well no there's I don't know if he's a great guy or not. But there's a great speaker. His name is Richard Tosti, and I was listening to one of his talks, talking mm-hmm. about how you could convince yourself to be successful, which is, I guess I'm not I'm not convincing I'm not convincing enough to myself I guess. And the thing is, is that the part of your brain I think it's the amygdala cannot distinguish between fact and fiction everything that it takes in is just a simple fact it's just a fact whether that the might fa- be the next stage up i think right. now, the more i think about it and maybe thi- the next stage up from the reptilian part of your brain um so even that section is is superseded by the by by the tv the impact of tv 
Um, so there you go. I mean, that's and, and that's you know that's based on scientific research. That's not something somebody made up. Um, so so that's what's happening. Um, now getting back to Tavistock, um, we get back to our old friend um, Adorno. Remember him from the Beatles conversation? Oh, I Theodore sure do. Adorno? I sure do. Well, he's the guy that really was originally, and you know, this guy may may be. <laughs> Maybe the uh, dark hero of the uh, of the behavioral uh, impact that that the Tavistock is is having on on our population. This guy's got his hands in a lot of these kinds of things. Yeah, he was um, he was very prominent in the Tavistock's um, taking over or realizing, I guess, that TV is is a medium that they could use to begin to indoctrinate people. Um, he he started out with radio, and then he saw TV come along, and he said, "Ooh, that's even better." Yeah, and that was that was his that was his thinking. Adorno um, really really jumped on TV, and and he saw it as the next coming. Um, now this is pre Beatles, so you know the Beatles were his after work. Um, he he really saw it as the next big thing to. To really manipulate people's behavior, and he—he he was really a behaviorist. He was from the Frankfurt School in Germany, and then he—he he went over to England, and and then eventually, I think, to the United States. But he's—he's he's really the guy that we can thank for a lot of these, a lot of these kind of original yeah. things. Um, so there you go. I mean, it's—it's it's hard to to imagine that this is such. A programmed thing that's been happening to us since, I guess, since the beginning of, well, almost the beginning of TV anyway. Definitely the Mickey Mouse Club is, was, you know. Did, did you have, um, you, you said you had a latter version of the Mickey Mouse Club? Didn't, yeah, we, didn't, we, we. Wasn't Justin Timberlake or one of those guys on that? That was like, an, that was another one of the iterations of the Mickey Mouse yeah. Club. There yeah. was one version of the Mickey Mouse later Club. On. Yeah, during the 70s and 80s. That I and and um, it was it was must see TV, <laughs> you know, for a couple of summers at least because it was just an updated version and it wasn't as quite as regimented as the as the original. It was a more modern, it was more modern. And the thing is, is that I don't remember everybody having um, having to wear that same exact Mickey Mouse Club uniform. I think that the I think one of the issues that a lot of us have you probably, you probably just didn't have one, Eric. That's why you're why you're thinking that. <laughs> I don't know because I mean, I and and in retrospect, I mean, I, I wouldn't dare wear the Mickey Mouse ears. I mean, if it's one of those things where even to this day everybody has to have a blank. We've talked about this on on earlier episodes. Everybody has to have blank, and if you don't, then obviously, well, you're not you're not included. You know, you're excluding yourself. You're turning yourself out. You're you're not one of the members of the community. Um, right. And one of the things that I had noticed very early on, um, and with it, in my house growing up, the TV was always on, except for on very, very rare occasions, the TV was actually off. And mm. one of the like things when it broke, <laughs> yeah, like, the, and I think that one of the most memorable weeks of my life when I was a kid is when the TV broke and my mom set it out for repairs, and we were without a TV for a couple of weeks. Um, and I just, I just remember we were like more of a close knit family. We did things, we played board games and stuff like that. Right. Right. Well, that's the whole thing. It it comes in between social, yeah. comes in between you and social interaction with anybody else. Exactly. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. You know? And the thing is, is is that um, 
Every, it's like it was like the four of us. It was four of us against the world, it seems, sometimes. And it's like, I mean, my brother and my sister and my mother were the three. So you're like the four Musketeers? The four Musketeers. It was, yeah. And, and it was just like, you know, and as soon as the TV came back, we went back to the same old habits. And the thing is, is that mm-hmm. as soon as my mother would wake up, the TV was on so she could watch the news and the weather and, and the Today Show with Jane mm-hmm. Pauley and Tom Brokaw. And the just before we, we left for school or work, the TV would be turned off and come home. The TV would turn on. Just before we went to bed, the TV was turned off. And all of this nonsense, freaking back and forth, like um, somehow the, the TV was the most important thing in the house. God forbid if anything should ever happen, you got to save the TV. And I thought that it's, there's something wrong here. You go here. through withdrawal. You know? There's something wrong here. Like being withdrawing from a drug. There's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I used to Barely wonder, what's, what's wrong with this picture? And nobody reads books. We have these shelves full of books, and nobody reads them. Nobody's reading these books except for me. What's that's what's that's on? another statistic I ran across. Five only five percent of the American population reads more than five books a year. Five percent. That's the craziest thing. That's pretty sad. That's because what are they doing instead? <laughs> Watching TV or looking on their phones, I guess. Right. You know, it's it's all electronic now, and that's that's kind of sad. I mean, there's there's nothing like the pleasure i think of sitting down with a good book and and really um immersing yourself yeah. in it that's that's my personal opinion anyway but so here's a nice quote from our, our friend theodore adorno getting back to the uh, the tavistock he he said um in 1944 this was his this was his thinking that um he he postulated that the media such as radio and especially tv would could be used to make peace people forcibly retarded. Yeah, it's it's a nice term, isn't it? Isn't that a nice term? Forcibly retarded. So when you think about it, that's what that's what TV is doing to you. It's making you forcibly retarded. I think it's absolutely totally true. I I mean, mm-hmm. not in that sense, not in the derogatory sense of the word retarded, but I do think no, no, that no. we are becoming backwards. I think that we are becoming. Um, I can't less even, intellectual. Less intellectual. I hate using the word retarded, but there well, is. It's, it's, it's an archaic term, but I, he 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 used that dumber. in the 40s. So that was that was the word that would have gotten across what his you know what he was trying to convey. Um, so uh, today, if he was talking, he might use another term. You know, um, but anyway, that's that that was his thinking at the time, and that's that's kind of scary when you think about it. That he was. You know, this this guy's like an evil genius, man. I mean, he was he he was really coming up with some stuff on how, on how to maneuver people's thinking patterns and behavior, and and Tavistock just they just just jumped all over it, and and now we we have what we have thanks to thanks to him, and and I'm sure there were several other people that were behind it too, but 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 another thing he talked about, and this is something that we. I think we talked about a little bit with Jim, but and we talked about it more yesterday when we were doing the pre-show yeah. uh, conversation that we usually have. Um, that that all the television program can can programming contains some kind of an overt message, like you know, there's the plot, the characters, um, you know, the storyline, whatever catches the person's interest to drag them into the story but behind that or underneath that there's a hidden message yes and that message is always in there it's always put in there it's encrypted sort of like and you know we may not be conscious of it but it's there and you know it's it's the same the same actually with mo- with a lot of movies too so i mean some movies are just Although, although maybe not, you know, you think something is a throwaway movie, but but maybe there's some kind of 
underlying message even in the most stupid movie you can think of yeah. you know um you know like something like dumb and dumber to me i think is i, I mean i thought it was funny because it was just so stupid but you know maybe the underlying message in something like that is you know what you're all really that stupid you know on I, some level you're really that stupid you know? i i think that one of the examples that I had thought of about how television is used for social engineering, for good or for ill, doesn't matter, but it's, it is happening. Perfect example is all of Norman Lear's TV shows. He had a string of hits in the 70s and 80s. All of it was using comedy to get people to look at the world a different way or in, in his way. And he would use characters like Archie Bunker to poke fun at a segment of the population that he looked down upon. Archie Bunker was openly racist, which is which is a pretty awful thing in and of itself. Yeah, he was a bigot. <laughs> Archie was Bunker a bigot was a bigot, everything. but he was also a he was a he was a a working class man who tried to provide for his family. Mm-hmm. And he had, basically, he had three motivations in his life. Keep his job and try and stay ahead. Come home and just have a relaxing night at home to be and be with his family and watch some TV and just get through to the next day. And, and try to keep his wife from singing. Try and kill me. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is... The that, dingbat. The dingbat. The dingbat. And the thing is, Edith, you know, Edith, even though Edith was a dingbat, she was sort of like... Um, Peter Sellers' character in being there. She, even though that she was a little dim, apparently she also had some worldly knowledge. And then you had um, Meathead, uh, at the you know the beat, the the hippie beatnik college, Rob yeah, Rob Reiner's character. <laughs> And he was somehow he was the smartest one in the house, but he didn't have a job. <laughs> you know, Archie called him meathead. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and Archie's daughter, um, she was sort of like the voice of, of the audience. She was the the audience um, surrogate, as it were. And the thing yeah, is, she was the one that X amount of people could identify. With. Right. And, or, the th- or, and and or lust after one of the two. And you would be watching the show and Archie would say something obnoxious. He would say something foolish, get himself into trouble with Edith and the rest of the family and try and get out of the hot water he was in. There was a situation like there were blacks, the Jeffersons moving next door in his all white neighborhood. That was a plot line for a while and how he disliked the blacks, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And and he and he disliked the Jews and he disliked Hispanics, and by the end of the show, he was made into a fool. And it was and it was he was always made into he was he was hoisted on his own petard, as it were. And he, he was it was he was never right. He was he was never given an opportunity to be right or grow until the later seasons or when they tried they revised the show where they brought back Archie but it was just in his bar you know Archie's place mm-hmm. and I don't remember that oh you don't remember well you didn't I don't think you missed anything and and the thing is is that Archie was always Archie was always the idiot he was always the foil he was always I'm not saying he was the bad guy but he was always shown to be a loser. He was a well, working class he, he guy. He suffered for his viewpoints. He's, he suffered way. from his, somehow his viewpoints always got him into trouble and got yeah. him pushed yeah. back. 
And then you had these other shows, like the fine example is like the episode of Maud, whereas, you know, Maud in her late 40s, maybe early 50s, got pregnant. She didn't want to have, and the whole, sh- the whole show was, shouldn't, be, shouldn't a woman have the right to choose to have an abortion? And apparently that TV show, it was right at, maybe before or after, it was near Roe versus Wade, and it really changed people's opinion on the issue of abortion. It it really did. It changed the way people see that issue. And mm-hmm. there are so many of the TV shows, you think you're watching a comedy, and there is comedy in it, but it's used in such a way to get you to look at the world in a different place. And so you could say that it's being used for indoctrination. Well, yeah, and I think, actually, I think for comedy good or for um, may, may have even more power because it's sort of setting you up. You know, you go into thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be funny. There's going to be some funny stuff going on. But it really sets you up for whatever underlying message there is because you're in a, you know, you're in a more open kind of frame of mind. Whereas if you go into a drama, you know, you're sort of expecting all these things to happen that are going to, you know, kind of probably be not good things happening. Right. You know? Whereas with comedy, you expect to be kind of kind of a lighter mood and and you know if something darker happens it it's kind of has more impact because you're not really set up for that and but i think that's what was going on with a lot of those kind of shows some, some ones that chose to make any kind of a social comment something happened in society whereas you had shows like leave it to be there or fathers knows best make room for daddy or whatever it's like, here's the situation. The kids are presented with the situation. They get themselves into trouble. And then they go to dad and dad says, well, son, here's what I think that you ought to do. The kid listens to his father and he goes and he does the right thing. And there's a couple of drag. There's a coda at the end. And wow, dad, you really were right. I really should have done that sooner. Well, son, you'll meet. Hopefully you'll 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 remember and and you'll learn next time, you know. And it, but, but the message, even even in those seemingly inane shows, there was some always some underlying moral or message um, right. that you know, like dad is dad always you know father knows the best, you know, right? Same thing, you know. Dad always knows the right thing, and you should listen to him and not you know not go against him and you know listen to his advice and and don't be a free thinker. Listen to what dad says. You know, that's only one short step away from listen to listen to what, you know, Big Brother says. Listen to what, yeah. And and then the script was flipped to everybody over the age of 30 or 40 is stupid and dumb. They don't know what they're doing. And somehow the kid, the, the kids always knew the right thing to do. It was always the dad who was the dork. Dad was always the foil and the fool. You know, don't listen to dad. If it feels good, do it. That kind of thing. And, that was for the baby boomer generation. And I think that, that that's, I think that there's a, hooked. I think that there's a part of it where the two extremes sort of has messed up this country. Whereas dad is always right is not good. The kids are always right. And I don't think that's cool. There is, should be this give and take. Nobody's always right. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, right. that's true. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's the, Another underlying issue, whereas television was obviously used to to turn the way people saw certain issues, and I think that that that's it's that's a powerful tool. 
The question is, who's the one who's making the decisions on how to turn the tide, how to turn the way people think here in society? And it was like, do you want the government to use television as a tool to indoctrinate people to, hey, let's go along with this war? Or do you want, you know, the the people in the culture to say, hey, buy this product. It doesn't cause cancer. It's great for you. Four out of five doctors suggest these cigarettes for for their patients who smoke. There's nothing wrong with these. It soothes your T-zone, you know, and it was people, they use advertising and they use the content of the TV show to sort of like get you to look at the world a different way. Get it to see yes, their to, way. To create the illusion that if you use this product or if you act this way or you wear this thing or whatever it is, then you're going to be cooler. You're going to fit into this group that is that knows more than most people know. You're going to be in this kind of an elite group, you know, which, of course, is an it's, it's, it's an illusion. You know, it's you know, it's like the Marlboro man. You know, you smoke a Marlboro, you're going to be this rugged cowboy you know, that everybody respects because they're so macho. You know? Exactly. It's an illusion. No, you, you smoke a Marlboro. And if you smoke enough of them, you're the Marlboro man's going to get lung cancer. And which is exactly <laughs> what the happens. reality of it, you know. That's exactly it's, what happened. The, yeah. The, one of the original Marlboro Mans got a horrible case of lung cancer and died. They don't tell oh, you was that. Was that true? I was, I was kind of... I was, I was no, that actually happened. I thought you knew that. That it's funny, but... No, I did not did not know that. I, I just kind of made that up, but I guess it's... Maybe something I had heard about at some point. I don't know. But anyway, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. And, um, you know, we now have... How many generations, I guess? We're working on the third... There's, you know, my generation, the baby boomers, then there's your generation. And then now we have a new generation of people that are um, TV addicted, I guess you could say. I'm just going to interject here really quickly from the L.A. Times, January 27th, 2014. At least four Marlboro men have died of smoking related diseases. So there you go. Nice. There, there you go. Nice. Thank you very much. I think it's I think it's terrifying because commercials have been used to convince us to buy products that turn out to be very bad for us like there are a lot of artificial sweeteners that have been marketed as it's a miracle scientific alternative to sugar and it finds out that no it causes cancer it's 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 a chemical it's a chemical (laughs) it's not a good thing it's it's a a chemical that is known to cause cancer the best thing is to not use sugar. <laughs> that would be that would be the best. Thing. Or use yeah, that's, very little. That's another. That's another whole show in itself is sugar and what sugar does. Yeah. And we've been we've been indoctrinated to sugar. Like I said, like I was talking about with Jim earlier yeah. about the sugary cereals that were you know basically literally shoved down our throats when we were watching the Mickey Mouse Club and the yeah. cartoons and the, and all the stuff that we thought was just pure entertainment. You know. Um, and, and who knows what if you if you really start looking at all of those things, who knows what the message is? You know, um, what's the message behind all that stuff? Are we are we just always being set up to to get these messages that are going to make us buy things or think a certain way or, or whatever it is? And that's the that's the insidiousness of this whole this whole thing, you know, this whole movement, I guess you could say. There, there's, here's another good quote from um, from Freud's nephew. Of all, of all people. Yeah. Um, his name was Edward Bernays. 
Um, and he said the consciousness and intellectual manipulation of the organized habits and masses is an important element in a democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power in the country. There you go. <laughs> that Does that not say it all in, in that one quote? I think it's scary. Think about that. Think about that. I think it's genuinely frightening to I, think. It is. But, but I guess we're getting, I guess we're getting pretty close to the end here now. So, so I guess it, it would probably be to the point to, to talk a little bit about what, um, what can we do about it? What's the alternative? Um, well, I, I mean, I know, I know I, I watch TV every night, you know, I can't say that I'm immune from it. Um, you're not going to get rid of what television. We, you're not going to get no, rid of television. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you can. But maybe it's just knowing what it's doing is, is important, you know, even if you are going to watch it. Um, you know, some people would say, well, just throw your TV out the window or whatever. But I don't even think that's realistic at this point. Um, I think that we are relying on TV for a lot of things. Some, Most of it I don't think we really need. I think even the news is, you know, it's all controlled by the same, this invisible force, whatever it is. Um, and, you know, it's all, it all goes into like, you know, like the Tavistock Institute has a huge, they've got like a $200 billion budget. And it's funded by the Rockefeller Foundation and the Rand, there's, there's all these offshoots, yeah. like the Rand Corporation and Stanford University. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. It's, they have a huge amount of money that they're, that they're pouring into this, the manipulation of the, of the public. So it's no wonder that, you know, <laughs> what hope do we have almost, you know, other than just being aware of it, I guess, and trying to counteract it somehow. That's you know, like you said, I don't. I'm not even sure that throwing, getting rid of your TV is even possible. No, in most cases, you know. I think um, that there. I don't are, know. What do you think? I think that there are aspects of television that I think is very powerful, and I think it's very wonderful. Like you can watch, you know, first men landing on the moon. Everybody, you know, was a part of that moment. I think that, you know, there are so many moments in history that we've been able to share via television. Everybody was there. Everybody can remember when you were alive at the time. You remember where you were when you saw blank. You remember where you yeah, were. You were right there, like the JFK assassination. Well, oh, you didn't a, see that, I did. Right. Or, or <laughs> um, you know, the Challenger explosion or, the, you know, um, the two towers coming down. Mm. Um, there's, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of things like, the, you know, the the the. In my lifetime, I'm trying to think maybe six or seven presidents have been, you know, um, you know, sworn into office. We were able to watch the Watergate hearings as they were happening. The OJ trial we watched. We all knew where we were when we heard OJ was found not guilty. Uh, there's so many other things that, that have been going on in the past couple of decades. And there are these communal events. I remember there was a time when television was a communal event. Everybody, or almost everybody, watched must-see TV on Thursday night. Everybody over a certain age can remember the Cosby Show. The Cosby Show was one of those things that happened, and everybody had a... Everybody. Yeah, or, or, uh, or even uh, TV Roots. I can remember people being glued. Well, you, it might be a little bit before your time, but uh, Roots was... People were, like, glued to that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it was... It was like, you know, at the time, people didn't realize... Really, I don't think that there was some kind of message 
in that it was it was good it was good drama basically so it, was it was great good horrible in a lot of cases but it was it was good drama you know and that's how they get people i think well good um, you know but good that yeah i mean there's 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 some good things about tv i'm not saying it's all bad but a lot of it is is just things that we're just not aware of what's going on you know and that leads to where where we've gotten to i think in terms of people just being pushed in certain directions to, to think a certain way or vote a certain way or yeah. do whatever a certain way, you know, and it's TV has a large, a large piece in that. I think that there's a, there's a, a very sort of scary aspect of, of television. Whereas a fine example are the TV debate, the, the, the presidential debates as it were, whereas um, everybody watches the TV debates, like the presidential debates. But the thing is, is that what people don't seem to realize is that there's more than two people running for a specific office. There are, there's all these third They don't get to get on the stage. They don't get to get on the stage. <laughs> and why not? And why don't they get to get on the stage? That's that's the next question. I think that that's a, I think that that's a serious problem that we need to sort of address here. But the thing is that it gets to be a point whereas it's like, well, okay, we'll we'll make Thursday night the family TV night because well, well, Thursday is must see TV. But then you have a favorite show on Monday night or a couple. You have a favorite show on Tuesday night and then Wednesday night. Next thing you know, the TV is on like every night of the week because everybody has that show they must watch on that night or else. I think that that's very troubling. And and the thing is, is that fewer and fewer people are reading books. Um, fewer people are actually reading the news or doing their own research into what's going on yeah, in the news. Reading newspapers or, or whatever, magazines. And the thing is, is that what is being published in the news has been watered down and dumbed down because people have an attention span of maybe only 60 seconds because yeah. of television. Um, and again, I think that, that I think that that is very, very problematic. I, then there's a whole bunch of people out there who seem to think, oh, come on, Eric, it's it's the way modern life is nowadays. Um, and I think that we need to take a closer look at who who's in charge of the t television programming. Who are they? What's their message? What's their overall agenda? Um, it, it's fun. It's funny. I, I just had a thought. Um the very first TV my family had had a, had a, um, a round, or actually it was kind of an oblong TV screen, which was about, it wasn't even 12 inches across. It was probably like maybe seven or eight inches, something like that. Yeah. And I remember my father bringing it home. And my father was all into like electronic stuff. So every, yeah. anything new he would. And, and I remember him hooking it up and, and it coming on and just being like, mesmerized by yeah. like oh my god what is this you know it was, it was totally out of anything that i had any kind of framework for you know and, and guess what guess what the very first show was that i saw uh, no, no, you, I know, you, I know, you can't guess. But. The, the Outer Limits. No, no, that, that came later. It was Howdy Doody. I don't doubt it. I guess what was Howdy Doody, Eric? A puppet. <laughs> it was a puppet. There you go. Is that not ironic? I think it's that, that just occurred to me. That just came to me. I think it's After very fitting. Years. I think it's I think it's very fitting. I I honestly do, but I mean I think the question is is like are we off base? Um, because I I think that television has also sort of taken a turn. Television has evolved to the extent whereas we have we have networks like Netflix and Hulu. Amazon Prime, where people are creating like new content. People are able to create their own content and put it online. 
And there are all these alternative networks out there. There are no longer the three major networks, four if you can count PBS, and that people are able to pick and choose what it is that they want to watch whenever they want to watch it. You're not limited. Except they're all controlled by the same group. Even PBS, yeah, and unfortunately. I, you know, and I think that, I mean, I am of the opinion that I think that our, our, um, we're being manipulated into a, a common group think. Everybody has to think a certain way. Everybody has to react a certain way. You have to, here's your box that you need. Here's your cubby hole. You need to fit into this cubby hole. This is the person you need to be. This is who you are. Don't you dare try and step outside that box unless you're absolutely very, very special. Everybody should read 1984. Again, if you haven't read it already. If you haven't read it, read it again. He, he, he was on to something. <laughs> Whether he was being manipulated or not, I don't know. But he, he, he had some inside information. He didn't think of all that stuff on his own. I'm sorry. You don't think so? I, mean, I don't. I don't. I think, I think he was fed that. Or, or he, he tapped into some kind of information source to get that. I, I think that was, um, I think he was warning people about what was to come. Yeah. When was that written? In the 40s, right? It was published. I think it was written or published in 1948. Yeah. So it was post-war, but it was, you know, it was sort of like not that far away from the beginnings of of what we're talking about now, of, of TV coming into. So, you know, if you think about um, Big Brother, what was Big Brother? It was a screen, right? Yeah. It was a screen that watched your every move. So there you go. Yeah, I think that it is, it's, it was a warning. (laughs) It was a warning, not an instruction manual. No, no, I know. I agree. I agree. No, I don't think it was an instruction manual. I think it was just, hey, (laughs) this is what could happen. You know, extrapolate out. And I I do think that, and and there has been evidence of this in the media lately, whereas um, the Big Brother is monitoring us, but we're volunteering information. We're volunteering information via social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. We're feeding Big Brother. We're, we're ratting ourselves and everybody else out, and we don't even realize it. No, it's, it's, just, it's just life. It's just the way people live now. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll leave it up to our uh, listeners to decide for themselves what they're... I mean, I think even if people have some awareness of it, it makes it less um, effective in some way. I think it's frustrating for so many of us because we know, hey, here's the problem. What are we going to do about it? There's really well, that's the thing. There's, I'm not sure that there really is anything you can do about it. I think you can just be aware of things and and try to be a conscious thinker on things and try to make your own decisions about stuff rather than relying on some talking head to tell you which way to think. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I came away from with with this whole thing. You know, and I don't know. Our listeners can can make that decision for themselves. Yeah. Yep, I and okay. I and I think that, I think that the I think the question uh, for the week on our Facebook group uh, just go to um, facebook.com, do a search for metaphysical connection. We should be right there, and I think the question is: is that have you made a certain effort to get rid of television in your life? And if so, what have you done? And how successful have you been? Uh, have you cut the cable like we have, or? Um, do you think that it's it's becoming a bit a, a little bit more ubiquitous? Because now televisions are everywhere. You can't go anywhere without seeing a television. Besides maybe the woods. Oh uh, no, the I take that everywhere. Yeah, they're I, everywhere. I take that back. Um, 
you can i mean just go out into the woods and you have your cell phone and you can watch netflix if you want you can or, watch whatever you camp, want or the camper down the way has a has a tv and you know that's yeah thing. so really you go camping to get away from society you know supposedly and you have a big house with a tv in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> really that doesn't make sense to me but well it does to some people i guess yeah it does so get yeah. back to us. Let us know. What have you done to get rid of television in your life? And how right. have your efforts been successful and fruitful? And how's your life changed since then? Well, Walt, thanks for another great show. It was pretty good. Okay. And um, yeah, and uh, um, we'll think about a, a, a fresh, exciting new topic. I think that uh, our next show we're going to record is going to be in August. So um, Yes, yes. I, I want to leave you with one thought, Eric, that I just had. Um Elvis actually shot his TV at some point. So I don't know why. I'm just saying. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's something there's to that. Elvis in his Elvis in his sequin jumpsuit. Yep. Eating a fried uh, banana and peanut butter sandwich and yep. getting mad at whatever that was on the TV and shooting it. So yep. There you go. Maybe Elvis knew something we didn't know. I don't know. Yep. There you go. All right. <laughs> Thank you once again, Walt. Okay, Eric. Take it easy. All right. Bye, pal. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on. By the way, do I hear the theme to the Twilight Zone playing in the background? Yeah, that was, that was my phone. That, that, that was not coming from okay. the... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my ringtone. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought you that like was that just. Air? I thought it was just my ringtone. No, it's mine too. Mine and Rod Serling's. No, no. The thing is, is he's it, in another dimension. I, I thought I had a special ringtone on your phone, and that was the Twilight Zone. <laughs> well, it is. Because the thing anyway. is, is that when you call, I can tell who's calling by the ringtone, just because oh, the thing can. is, oh, yeah, you can. So you know it's me by the. Because you have the yeah. X Files theme. No, I have the Twilight Zone. No, no, on my phone. 
when Walt Schnabel comes up oh, on the phone. I see. So you know by your ringtone who's calling. Everybody which has one a different. Set up. Okay. On my phone, all of my favorites have different ringtones. Okay, so you're programmed to know that when you hear the X Files theme, you better answer the phone. Yeah. Okay. Is that, is that right? Every time I watch the, the every time I watch the X Files, I think it's you. You, <laughs> you try know? to answer the phone. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we really got off on a tangent. Yeah, there. we do that. <clears throat> so anyway, um, 